I want to go ahead and get started. If you're going to take notes, you can title it this. We've been kind of going with the song idea for Christmas this series. You can, you can title the message this today, Simeon's Song. I want to, I want to talk for a few minutes about a, a forgotten or glanced over character in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. But before we get to that, how many of you enjoy Christmas songs? How many people we got that enjoy Christmas songs? Come on. Y'all know here at Radiate, we don't like to be quiet and like just reverent and honestly boring, right? We, we like to be a part. We like to be loud. So here's what I'm going to do. I got five Christmas songs and I want to know what the most popular ones were, are and which ones you like. And it could be multiple, but the only way I'm going to know that, I'm not doing the whole raise your hand thing. I want to hear you sing them. I'm see, I want to hear you sing. Now, it sounded like a choir of angels in the first service. And just angels that couldn't sing. But, no, I'm just kidding. I want to hear it, all right? So we're going to put them up. Here's what's going to happen in just a minute. We're going to have the songs on the screen. And if you know the song, I promise you, you don't want me to be the only one singing, all right? So if you know the song, I want you guys to participate in this. Let's see how popular. Let's see how popular it is. Song number one, let's go, let's go. All I, here we go. You, baby. Yeah, come on. Y'all did good. All right. I mean, you were kind of pitchy, but that's okay, right? No. It, it, all I want for Christmas is you. That's kind of a popular one. That's one that if you're shopping, right, you're going to hear at least three times in the store. You're At least. I don't know why. That's just kind of the go-to. Oh, Mariah Carey there, right? All I want for... That feels like it's the pitch, right? I don't know where PC went, but I was going to ask Pastor Chris, like, am I on, on pitch here? If I'm on, if I'm on beat, it's a miracle, much less uh, pitch, right? All right. All right, all I want for Christmas is you. How many of you enjoy that song? Yeah? How many of you don't? All right, now y'all know who to fight after. Everyone. Fight! Let's go. All right. Number one, all I want for All right, let's go to the second one. I love that the, the dates are on there. Here, go! Come on, you can be more confident. This year, okay. Hey, listen, I let it go. I let it go for a while. I wanted to see if it was going to drop. So at eight thirty, they got through that first most most famous part, right? And then it just kind of this year. Y'all kept on going, man. So y'all need to listen to more worship. Anyway, so. I'm just messing. I'm just messing. I, I pay attention to work, like the, the dates on there. This is interesting to me, like how old some of these songs are, right? Like this next one. Check this one out. My dad used to sing this one growing up all the time. Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby. All right, let's go. Of a white Christmas. Come on. Y'all from South Carolina, you don't know nothing about that. Y'all, y'all living in South, we got some people from Colorado and some other, but y'all know, but y'all here because of the white Christmases there, all right? Did you know, <laughs> did you know, did you, I did not know this, in 1989, so I think there's been two white Christmases for my kids, um, but in 1989, there was 15 inches of snow in Myrtle Beach, 15 they said it snow it started on Christmas Eve and you couldn't leave your house for like a week. And I was like, well, you better not wait till the last minute for Christmas on that down that year. You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine being like, I just gotta go to the store for one more thing? Never mind. <laughs> That'd be terrible. All right. Uh, but anyway, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. I don't know why my dad used to sing that all the time, but he did, and uh, still does, actually. And I'm like, keep dreaming, buddy. We're in South Carolina. Um, 
All right, here we go. Here we go. Here's another one. 1958, number four. This is my favorite one. Go ahead. Listen. <laughs> there was six different lyrics said at the exact same time. <laughs> that was incredible. And the great thing was, it was like Pastor Chris pulls his phone out to video it for social media, and y'all are like, stage fright, I don't know what to do. That was great, man. That was the best. That was the best. All right, I love, I don't know why I love that one. I love that, that song. All right, let's go to the last one. Last one, number five. Here, here's what we got. Back in 1946, the Christmas song. I want to see if you know it. Go. Oh, yeah, come on. (laughs) This is why we all need more confidence in our life. Some of you are like, Jeff Ross, that knows. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. We, we love songs, right? People, songs just relate. Like music is like the common language for so many people, no matter how you grew up, no matter where you grew up, any of that. It's just the common thing. And the reason is, is that uh, we, songs tell stories, right? Songs tell stories. That's why we love all the music that we love. Whatever music you love, there's a story behind the song, and we can relate to those stories a lot of times. Like, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Yeah, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. I live in Columbia. Of course I'm dreaming about a white Christmas. I, I get that one, right? Or all, all these things. And I wanna, what we're doing is we're taking some of the stories and characters in the Christmas story and going, hey, they kind of have a song. And it's not really a song like they're singing it. It's a story that their character is teaching. It's a story that we can learn from. And I want to talk for a few minutes about a character that if I say his name, you're probably not going to connect to the Christmas story. And his name is Simeon. As I said earlier, Simeon. Simeon is often like looked over, forgotten, or, or just not paid attention to in the Christmas story. But Simeon has a pretty important aspect of the Christmas story. And there's some things that we can learn from him in the Christmas story. And today, as we're going into the season, it's, it's like, God, what can we learn from his life? What can he teach us? So I want to talk about that for a little while. Here's some things about Simeon. Simeon was promised that he would not die. His life would not end before he saw Jesus face to face. Now, here's the important part of that that you have to know. This is where culture and context comes in. We don't just cherry pick scriptures just to use them to fit our narrative, but we have to know culture and context. This is important because they had not yet seen the Messiah. Where we sit today in 2023, we go, well, the Messiah's already come. Jesus has already come. He's gonna come again. Like we have that faith. We have that belief, all that stuff. But the reality is, is they hadn't seen the Messiah. The Jewish culture was still waiting for the Messiah. They knew about where he would come from, about what kind of life he would have. They knew what to look for, but he wasn't there. So whenever God comes to Simeon and goes, Simeon, you will not die until you've seen Jesus face-to-face, the Messiah face-to-face. There's a belief in Simeon where he's like, well, when is that going to be? Because we haven't seen him yet. There's there's got to be a faith that something's going to take place. So here's what God's saying. The thing that you're waiting on to fulfill your life has not yet happened and you won't even know, you may not even know when it happens, but you'll know when you meet him face to face and your life will be fulfilled. That's important to know, right? That's an interesting concept of this whole thing. The the Bible, as we'll read in a moment in verses 25 through 35, 
The Bible says that Simeon was righteous and devout. Righteous and devout, two very important words. Righteous means, means that he had a right standing relationship with God. So he was righteous and devout. You know what devout means. He was devoted to God's ways. No matter what happened, he was devoted to God's ways. Here's what that basically means. He gave his life to the ways of God and he never looked back. He made sure that his relationship with God was the first thing and God's ways was the first thing that he paid attention to. Mary and Joseph, in the story that we're about to read, when they meet Simeon, they were bringing Jesus to the temple because there was a child dedication Sunday happening that day. (laughs) Not the way that we do it, but there was. They were dedicating Jesus to the Lord as Leviticus 12 actually said to do it. They were following God's law in the temple to dedicate Jesus back to God. So here's something. Whenever you celebrate child dedication on this stage, we're actually participating in something that not only does the Bible recommend, but Jesus participated in as well. What an amazing thing. In, the Mary, in Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus uh, to the temple, they did it God's way in such a way that they even brought the sacrifice that was to be sacrificed on the altar. And they said, God, this is your son, Jesus. He is not our child. He is yours. We dedicated him to you and your purposes. What an important thing to do. Now, that's where they met Simeon. Let's read the story of what happens whenever they meet Simeon in in the temple, 25 through 35. It says it of Luke chapter two. It says it like this. It says, and there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. See, I don't make this stuff up. It's right there in the Bible. Looking for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came into this, in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, Leviticus 12, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, now Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. What's he talking about? The fulfillment of the promise. He's going, God, I can die peacefully now. I fulfilled, you fulfilled the promise according to your word. Verse 30 For my eyes have seen your salvation. Isn't it interesting? My eyes have not seen your child. My eyes have not seen a baby. They've seen salvation. Let's don't forget what we celebrate on Christmas. It's not just a baby, it's salvation. Let's keep going, verse 31. Which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people of Israel. And his his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. It's, it's, it's important to know that as he's speaking here, he's speaking from a life that's been devoted to a right standing relationship with God the Father. He's not just speaking out of emotion. He's not just speaking because child dedication service was that good. He's speaking because there's a right standing, a devotion to a right standing relationship with God. There's three truths real quick I wanna give you today as we prepare for the holiday season, for the Christmas season. Three truths from the story of Simeon. The first one is found in verse 26. It says this. It says, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, and here's what we can gather from this part of the story, and it's something that was true for Simeon, and that is absolutely true for you and me today, and it's this. Jesus is the prize. 
Jesus is the prize. The number one prize, the main prize, the one thing that if we get nothing else in life and we get Jesus, we actually have everything. In Simeon's life, he did not, God did not look at him and go, hey, if you do this, then you'll get a new truck. If you do this, you'll get a new car. If you do this, this happens. You'll get a promotion and you'll have a platform and you'll make more money and you'll do all this. And I know you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, because that wasn't the world back then. And I get that. But he didn't look at him and give him anything that had to do with the world. He looked at him and said, Jesus is the fulfillment of your promise. And can I tell you something? If we don't realize, if I don't realize and you don't realize, if we don't come to a place in our life to where Jesus is the prize, we will look to fulfill ourselves with everything else. We will look to fulfill ourselves with everything else in the world. There is nothing greater that is a prize than Jesus. There is nothing more powerful. There is nothing more life-changing. There is nothing more gracious. There is nothing more freeing than Jesus and the prize of Jesus in our life. God looked at Simeon and he said, Simeon, your entire life of devotion to a relationship with me will be fulfilled not when you get a microphone on the stage. Not whenever you get this many followers on social media. Not whenever you finish this bottle of alcohol. Not when the, your fulfillment is not found in anything other than the one that is coming to save your soul, to save mankind, to save humanity, and to save it from itself. And he looked at Simeon and he says, your life will be fulfilled whenever you have seen the Savior face to face. And I know there's moments where we go, if I chase this and I chase that, and I'm not saying any of those things are bad. Stuff isn't bad. Having stuff is not bad. Stuff having us is. But having stuff is not a problem. Nice house, nice car, nice all that, whatever. That's fine. But Jesus is the prize. How do I know what my prize is? What am I, here's how you know what your prize is in life. What fulfills you the most? What do you spend the most time making fulfill you? And when we don't realize Jesus is the prize, our spouse becomes our savior. Our kids become our savior. Our job becomes our savior. Our money becomes our savior. You see what I'm saying? But whenever we go, you know what? There's only one man that cared enough that in faith he gave his life for me. He gave his life for me that I would give my life to him, that I would have a devotion to a right standing relationship with him, with God. And God's promise to Simeon wasn't things. God's promise to Simeon wasn't stuff. God's promise to Simeon was a person, was a savior, was a Messiah. And here's what I can say to you today. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, no matter even what you believe sitting here right now in this moment, I want you to know there's a promise in your life and the promise is not for more things. The promise is for salvation. The promise is for forgiveness. The promise is for love and the prize is Jesus. It's nothing else that you're ever gonna get from anything else in this world because everything in this world will perish. There's only one thing that will ever live forever in eternity and his name is Jesus Christ and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the prize. Sometimes we can get caught up in faith coming through in the short term so we forget to live for the long term. And here's what we do. We will pray for God to bring everything about the promise now. God, I need it now. God, you said it, so I need to see it now. And if you're anything like me, that I'm a very, I'm a results-oriented person, I'm a goal-oriented person, and y'all, I don't like to wait for anything. 
process drives me crazy. I hate it. I can't stand it. I want it to happen now. When I pull the hot pocket out of the freezer, it needs to be cooked and ready to eat. This is how I'm wired. But how many of you know that in faith, you live for the long term, not the short term? And you go, you know what, God? It may take a long time for this promise to come to fruition, but I'm willing to devote myself to a right standing relationship, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And see, here's the thing about Jesus. Because he stays the same, he's always the prize. Through what we, in the South, we say it, through hell and high water. (laughs) Through thick and through thin, through good and through bad. No matter what is happening in life, Jesus is always the prize. And he's always the one that meets us where we are, loves us where we are, but way too much to leave us there. So number one is Jesus is the prize. Number two is found in verses 27 through 28. And it says, and he came in the spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took Jesus into his arms and blessed God and said, I love babies. I really do, I love babies. I love holding them. I love, I don't think there's anything more joyful or pure than the, light, than the laugh of a baby. The laugh of a young child. Like, I, I don't, it's just so good. And I, I think, here's why I'm saying that. I love the symbolism and the, and, the, and the illustration here of he's holding a baby in his arms. He's holding probably a toddler at this time, if we're honest. He's holding an, a toddler in his arms. And he now goes, I can die with peace. My life can end with peace. And here's why. Because all of our lives is purposeful. Your life is purposeful. That's point number two. Our life is purposeful. Your life is purposeful. Simeon's life was purposeful. My life was pur- is purposeful. And watch this. The reason I know it's purposeful is because Simeon's sitting there holding a toddler in his hands, probably telling jokes and speaking like a baby. All that stuff, right? Like all the baby talk, all the baby talk. And as he's looking at this child, it dawns on him. This is the very thing God promised me my entire life. This is the very prize that I've been waiting on. It's believed, and it's not known the age, and it's not known specifics, but it is believed by most historians and theologians that Simeon was a pretty old man whenever he got to this place in life to where he saw Jesus in the temple that day. And after waiting all that time for the fulfillment of the promise of God, Simeon was used by God not just to fulfill the promise, but to fulfill God's purpose. And some of us, hear me, have given up on God using us because of either what we've been through, how long we've been on the earth, what we've done, all this stuff. And I just want you to know something today. And I want everybody that ever walks out of my presence to understand that you have a purpose from God. You have a purpose. I don't care if you're 10. I don't care if you're two. I don't care if you're 200. The reality is you have a purpose from God. If you've had breath in your lungs and blood in your body, if you are here today, there is a purpose for you to be here and God absolutely wants to fulfill promises to you. But he also absolutely wants to fulfill purpose through you. And the reality is, is that you and I are here because God sees something in us that maybe we don't even see in ourselves. And he goes, you have purpose. You have a reason to be there. His age didn't matter. And what can happen is we just feel like sometimes the older we get and the busier we get, the less we have to do. 
I'm so busy now. I'm just going to quit serving the kingdom. I'm going to quit going to church. I'm going to quit. I got so much. And I just want to encourage you, no matter how busy you are and no matter how old you get, it is the prize of Jesus that drives us to the purpose of God and allows us to be a part of his plan every second of every day, no matter who you are or where you've been. Our life, your life, my life is purposeful. I love this story. There's a story that I, I read and, and I copied, and, and I want to read it to you today because I think it is a great uh, crescendo, if you will, to the idea of purpose and how God uses us in purpose. On November 18th, 1995, the Israeli master violinist Ishak, Ishak sorry, Perlman played before the eager audience of New York's Lincoln Center, packed house. But within seconds of beginning, it was clear that the maestro was in trouble. Just as he finished the first stanza, so he was seconds into this thing, I mean at the very beginning, a string on Perlman's violin snapped. That'd be the same thing as me losing my iPad or, or mic or something, and there's hundreds or thousands of people that need to hear what's about to say, and it just limits what I'm about, I can do, right? Perlman's violin, a string on Perlman's violin snapped. To everyone's surprise, Perlman paused for a moment. He closed his eyes, and then he signaled to the conductor to begin again. The orchestra recommenced, and he joined them right where he had left off previously. He played with passion and purity, modulating, changing, retuning, and recomposing the piece that they were playing on the spot to render what was lost by the broken string. In other words, he was rewriting the song on the fly to make up for a string being popped at the beginning. When he finished, the audience exploded to its feet, standing, uh, standing room, you know, standing ovation, people going crazy. They knew the feat that they had just seen. Perlman at that time, raised his bow to quiet the audience. And in a, a quiet, reverent, not boastful tone, he said, you know, sometimes it is the artist's task to find out how much music you can still make with what you have left. And can I encourage you with something? That you may walk in here today and you may feel like your life has a snap string. And you can't make the music God's asking you to make. And you can't live the story God's asking you to live. And you can't do everything that God's asking you to do. Because after all, you don't know my past. After all, you don't know my present. After all, you don't know me like that. And so God, I can't be a part of everything you're asking me to be a part of. And sometimes we just need to take the violin or our lives and put it in our hands and go, God, I am simply the one that gets to play the music. You are the artist. I need you to take what's broken in my life and make it usable again. Make a song, retune, recompose, reconfigure, rewrite, do what you need to do because you're the God of the universe. Take my life and make it mean something because you are that God and you are that good. And we all have purpose. And how do I know God can do that for you? Because he's done it for me. And he's done it for hundreds of others in this room. And the reality is, is that no matter what is broken in you, God loves you there, 
and entirely too much to leave you there. He wants to write a new song. And our third thought, our third truth comes from verses 33 through 35. It's after Jesus has been given to Simeon. Simeon is speaking over him and it says, and his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Here's our, our third thought, our third truth in this story as we end. Our greatest realization is who Jesus is. Our greatest prize is Jesus. We can learn that we all have purpose from God. And the third thought is this, our greatest realization is who Jesus is. When Simeon is speaking here, how many of you know there's a difference in knowing someone and knowing about someone? When my wife and I first met, she knew about me and I knew about her. She did not like what she knew about me. I was intrigued by what I knew about her. And so there was a dating period that took, we dated for about three years, and we had to learn about each other. And in that moment, I learned, I learned her heart, I learned her integrity, I learned her character, I learned what made her tick, I learned what drives me crazy, she learned what drives her crazy. You know, there's a difference in knowing about someone and knowing someone. There's a, and what, what, what I cannot get past is how many people know about Jesus, but don't know Jesus. And when Simeon was speaking here, he wasn't speaking about something that someone had told him. He was speaking from a depth and an intimacy of a devoted life of righteousness to God. And he was speaking in a way that he knew. He knew with power. He knew with conviction. He knew who he was. And when we realize who Jesus is, not just know about him, but when we know him, everything about our lives takes on a deeper purpose and a deeper intimacy and a deeper relationship and a deeper meaning. Why? Because I'm living for the one that loves me. I'm living for the one that's not a get out of hell free card. I'm living for the one that's not just a genie. I'm living for the one that doesn't just give gifts. I'm living for the one that gave everything for me and I get to give everything for him. There's a difference in knowing about and knowing him. And when we know him, I get to see him as not just a baby in a manger, but a savior that loves I get to see him as not just a baby that's laying there in the middle of a stable with animals. I get to see him as the one, the fulfillment of the promise of my life. And I, I get to see him as the fulfillment of purpose. And there's something greater that he can do that I can't do. Because he is who he says he is. And Simeon is talking from a deep and intimate relationship. And here's what I want you to know. God is inviting you to the same relationship today. God is inviting you to the same relationship with your family, with your kids, with your spouse, and with yourself to know Jesus intimately and deeply. Our entire lives, whenever we know Jesus, not just about him, our entire lives should and could be wrapped up in the devotion to the one that devotes his life to us. Everything we do becomes about him. We give sacrificial gifts of faith like we're going to do here in just a moment because we honor him. 
We worship him not because we like the songs, but because we glorify him. We pray because we get to speak with the one that loves us dearly. We study the Bible because it helps us to know him. We do everything with a deeper passion and a deeper meaning, and it should change everything about our lives when we actually know him intimately and deeply. And today, here's what I wanna invite you to. Today, if you're in the room and you're like, I need to know him, like I need to know his forgiveness and his love and his grace and his mercy and his purpose and his promise, I need to know him. I know about him, but I need to know him. If you're in the room today and that is your stance, I wanna invite you and tell you you're in the right place because you don't have to leave here today without knowing him. You can walk into a relationship of forgiveness and grace with him and hear me, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer in just a moment if that's you, but it is not the prayer that changes your life. The Bible says if I, can, if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that he is Lord, then I too shall be saved. And the prayer is the external confession of the internal belief that he is my Messiah, my Lord, and my Savior. And we get to pray and go, Jesus, take my sinful life and replace it with your perfect one. And I wanna live with you from this day forward. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray over everybody. And then we're gonna move into the end of your offering celebration in worship time today. But if you're in the room, if you would just pray Bow your heads with me. I'd love to just pray with you. And if you're ready to give your life to Jesus today, I wanna lead you in that prayer. It'd be the greatest honor for you to join with others that have made that decision already today. And I'd love for you to be a part of that. So if you're in the room and you're like, Jesus, I wanna give you my life. I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life today. I ask for forgiveness. I ask for grace and for mercy. Forgive my past, forgive my present, and redeem my future. I've tried to do it without you, and I can't and won't do it that way anymore. Help me. I'm not claiming I'll be perfect, but I will devote my life to you. Thank you for giving me your life. God, thank you for making room for me in the family of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I ask that you change my life with an eternal relationship with you from this day forward. Now, as everyone continues to pray throughout the room, if you prayed that prayer today and you asked for forgiveness and you gave your life to Jesus, can I ask you to do one more thing? Just hold your hand up right where you are and just say right here, I asked Jesus into my life this morning and I asked for his forgiveness to take over my life. And all we wanna do is just recognize who you are and just pray with you as we move forward. Amen. Father, we love you and we thank you for life change. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for loving us like you do. We thank you that we get, we get to celebrate an entire season of your grace and mercy and it really is joyful and we honor you for that. Draw us closer to you. Help us, God. Help us remember that Jesus is the prize. Help us to remember that our lives are on purpose and help us to know Jesus personally. Not just about him, but realize who he is and let us live that out every single day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and thank you for never giving up on us when there's been so many moments that you should have. But you embrace us anyway. God, we love you and we honor you. In your name we pray.